This is Mallory Nye, and welcome to episode 12 of the Religion Bites podcast series on the theme of race, ethnicity, and religion. My preparation for this episode has been disrupted by two recent events in June 2015 in North America. Both relate very closely to this very issue of race, ethnicity, and religion. The most significant of these, and indeed the most heart-wrenching, was the extremist, the terrorist attack on the Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, on the 17th of June. My heart goes out to the families and loved ones of those killed in this horrific event. I'm not going to address anything too specific about these church killings in this podcast, as the issues are far too raw for what could only be a general discussion. I'm working on a separate podcast on this, in my Mallory and I Writer and Academic podcast, which I'm finding a challenge to prepare. It should be ready in a few days, and for more details, see my website, malloryandi.com forward slash podcasts. I would, though, like to dedicate this episode to the nine people who so senselessly died in the Charleston Church Massacre. That is, Cynthia Hurd, Clementa Pinckney, Sharonda Coleman-Singleton, Tawanza Sanders, Ethel Lance, DePayne Middleton Doctor, Susie Jackson, and Daniel Simmons Sr. These are the names we should remember as we talk about this despicable act of murder. Also, in the days just before the 17th of June, the international media became obsessed with another piece of news that was about a woman named Rachel DeLegel in Spokane, Washington State. The main gist of that issue was that Ms. DeLegel has been claiming to be black, or as some say African American, when her birth parents had outed her as having a predominantly white ancestry. For several days, my Twitter and Facebook streams were full of comments about the issue of passing, that is, of how de Legel's case has brought to our attention the challenges of understanding our assumptions about race. Indeed, one significant question that de Legel's case raised is whether it is legitimate or possible to be transracial in a way compatible to the transgender people such as Caitlyn Jenner, who I mentioned in the last episode. Or to put this another way, how much is race something that is given to us by biology and genetic inheritance? In what ways do our suppositions about race overlap with how we understand gender differences? And is there a better way of understanding these? Even more so than with gender, the problem with race is that it is a way of understanding differences that is based, perhaps almost entirely, on socially and historically derived ways of thinking. That is, the common view of this area of study is that there is a biological element of difference, akin to sex differences between males and females, that is, race. On top of this are all the other ways we talk about such biological differences, that are broadly called ethnicity, which is akin to gender as a social construction based on the biological given. One of the initial problems with this is that there is no real means by which the biological givens of race can be easily identified in the way the biological givens of sex appear to us as straightforward. So it is usually claimed that men have male anatomies and women have female anatomies. So what is it that enables us to divide up human differences in racial terms? This comes down usually to very clumsy ideas, in particular skin colour, 
together with perhaps hair growth and textures, minor physiological differences and ancestry. That is, to be of a certain race, it has been assumed that a person's skin pigmentation lies within a particular range, that is, white or pink, black, brown, yellow, red, and so on. But once we start applying this approach, the divisions into races becomes very complicated. We are most used to certain 18th and 19th century efforts in this respect, particularly with divisions into groups such as Caucasians, Negroes and Mongols. The first of these remains in common everyday use in the English language, whilst the latter are usually described in contemporary terms as Black, African and Asian respectively. However, the biological classification into these three races or groups has been pretty exhaustively debunked. They are terms that have considerable social usage, such as when we say things like the suspect was a male Caucasian, etc. But there are no significant biological or genetic differences between these three types. In short, race is not a statement of biological difference at all. It is not even close to a distinction of sex into the biologies of men and women. If we push this a little further, if racial differences are not solely matters determined by logical givens, then what makes what we call different races different are the things that relate to the different groups' ethnicities, or to use another term, their cultural differences. A lot of work has been done in the field of race studies to explore race differences in terms of cultural differences. Indeed, it is one of the main premises of the development of cultural anthropology in the 20th century. When we talk about such cultural differences, we are meaning culture in terms of culture as a way of life, as shared systems of meaning, as I discussed back in episode 5 of this podcast series. In this sense, some would argue we are not talking about race at all. Race is just a clumsy, even pseudo-scientific way of talking about cultural differences between groups of people. We just use skin colour and other such markers as an easy and very imprecise shortcut for referencing these differences. But the idea of race is yet more elusive than this suggests. You may recall the argument of Judith Butler that I mentioned in the last episode, who asked us to look at gender differences as wholly socially constructed, that we write differences between sexes onto people and their bodies. This applies equally with categories of race, with concepts of whiteness or blackness being based in how we talk about differences rather than being differences in themselves. In short, the study of both gender and race is how people talk about, think about, experience and practice certain types of differences. What we need to understand is not how these differences are biological, but rather how and why certain differences are considered important among particular people. To go back to the case of Rachel de Lejeune, we might be curious to know just how much we can say she is really white or black. Or to put this another way, what is the blackness that she appeared to claim? and the whiteness that she rejected. Are these simple constructions based on an illusory classification arising from perceived skin colour? The categories of blackness and whiteness are, if anything, more concrete things that arise from social groupings, exclusion and inclusion, access to wealth and social capital, and lived experiences. 
Or to put this another way, the writer Tanahisi Coates has challenged us with the simple statement that in contemporary America there is no problem with race. The problem is with racism. The way that perceived differences of race are put into practice are what cause the problems, particularly when, as is always the case, such differences are caught up within other relations of power, for example between those considered white and those considered black. Turning this now to race and the study of religion, as with our discussion of gender in the last episode, the main problem with even starting to talk about race and religion is that there is no simple relationship between the two. Various religions interact with racial differences in a variety of ways, and of course even the same religion may express and put into practice issues of race in diverse ways. After all, the Protestant traditions of Christianity that were once used to legitimate slavery are also based on the same teachings and texts that were the foundation of Martin Luther King's ministry. By now, this should hopefully come as no surprise. If we consider religions in terms of human beings and their cultures, then there is of course scope for wide ranges of interpretation and practice. We should just take that as a given. If we go beyond this and say instead that one particular teaching, either for slavery or for equality, is the correct or most authentic form of Christianity, then we move into the field of theology, since we are taking a theological and faith-based stance. There is nothing wrong with doing so, but that is not what I am interested in exploring here. Thus, the religion that people engage with and practice is lived and experienced through their categories and experiences of race and other forms of differences. Both blackness and whiteness impact in different ways on religion in contemporary America and elsewhere. White privilege in particular is bound up with certain ideas of Christianity and vice versa, white Christian privilege defines much about mainstream American culture. We may wish to widen this and ask instead whether racism is a universal issue or if it is particular to specific societies, such as the US, the UK or any other particular places. By racism here, I mean the perpetuation of political structures of inequality and disadvantage based on perceptions of difference which are marked out by the physical characteristics of skin colour. This is a similar question to one I avoided in the last episode, of whether or not patriarchy is universal. I remember that as a student back in the 1980s, this question was asked by my anthropology tutors, as though it would be possible to answer in a clear-cut way, perhaps on the basis of evidence from diverse, far-flung societies, or by theoretical or philosophical reasoning. The shortcut answer to this is that there is a large amount of patriarchy going on around the world, as indeed there is a large amount of racism. But this is because power always seems to be an essential part of human culture, and always such power is operated in diverse ways within different cultures and contexts. It is not patriarchy and racism, or more correctly, male and white privilege, that are universal. It is the operation of power and privilege using differences such as gender and culture or race. The connections between race and religion go in other directions too, Some people say about discrimination laws that they are necessary in terms of racial discrimination, but not for religious discrimination, on the basis, as they say, that you can choose your religion, but you can't choose your race. 
and so the latter should be protected, but not the former. This comes back to the point I made earlier, that very much depends on how much we see either race or religion, and gender as well, of course, as a given. For many people, their religion is as unnegotiable a part of their lives and identities as their race. And indeed, in some cases, the two go hand in hand. The most obvious example of this, perhaps, is Judaism and Jewish identity. Whether or not Jewish people are a race in themselves is very much a matter of debate, but in many contexts, including in particular here in the UK, Jewish people are considered to constitute both a religious and an ethnic group, sharing a commonality of both race and culture and being seen as such. In contrast, other groups such as Muslims and Hindus are considered religious groups but not races, since both constitute to a greater or lesser extent multiracial or multicultural religious groups. The religious identities of the Sikh traditions fit in here, since some have argued, including within the context of legal court cases, that the Sikhs are themselves a race who are also a religious group. This is despite the fact that Sikhs are culturally very similar to other groups from the part of northwestern India that is called Punjab. They share a common language on the whole and a common culture, also to a large extent. In fact, historically, it was common to find families in which Sikhs and Hindus, and sometimes Muslims too, lived together in the same family. None of this tells us very much about whether or not Sikhs are themselves a race, but it does tell us a lot about how the idea of race and constructions of difference through this idea are important within the context of Sikhs and also many contemporary societies in which Sikhs live, including the UK, the US and Canada. In conclusion to this short introduction to race and religion, I want to end simply by underlining the problems we have with the concept of race, posing in particular the question of whether race is a matter of identity i.e. what people think of differences, or if it is something that is a given. Or, perhaps more usefully, how is it that the idea of race as a given works to structure and enforce differences and power relations within a particular society? And if we take this last question, how does this work within the ways in which religious ideas and practices operate within a society? How do ideas of race construct religious ideas, and how do religious ideas and practices construct race and the differences that are built into relations based on such differences? In short, as with gender, the study of race matters to the study of religion. Race, gender and religion are all means and media by which people, in different cultural and social contexts, work out their differences and their relationships. They are all part of the practice of everyday life that is this thing we call culture. Thanks for listening today. And if you want to find out more and see the show notes, then do please go to my website, mallorynag.com forward slash religion bites. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.